Alrighty, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 541. And uh, we are recording live on Tuesday, November the 2nd. Yes, it is November now. Halloween is done. The kids have eaten way too much candy. And parents too, probably. And uh, yeah, we got a, a good show for you. How are you, Ariana? I am good. Um, yes, Halloween is done. I'm like, excited to put up Christmas decorations soon. Got to get the, uh, the pumpkins and skeletons down. Bats, all the fun spider webs out of here. Um, but yeah, Halloween was great. We had, we had a good time. We did a family costume, Bob Ross and some happy little trees. And then my kids had a great time. Trick-or-treating is fairy and Wednesday Adams. And um, yeah, it was fun to like explore the neighborhood our first Halloween here in New York. Um, but yes, it's exhausting, like all these activities and, and my kids are still little. I can't even imagine how, you know, adults with older children function on a, over the weekend. It's, it's intense. You almost look forward to Monday, right? Uh, but things are good. Yes. The Braves are headed into game uh, six tonight, right? Yes. Yeah. Game, game six tonight. So we are hopeful, you know, we were hoping for a, a win at home, but I think, I think they'll pull it off. I don't know. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I, I um, spent most of last week in Ottawa uh, at the uh, Tourism Industry Association conference, uh, which was amazing. First time, you know, sort of being in a room there uh, with people, and that was fun. And uh, you know, we we won an award uh, for the Arcana Trace work, uh, you know, sort of helping the industry out, which was amazing. Um, so that was nice. And um, yeah, and then. You know, my kids are, you know, at the other end of the uh, the spectrum of yours. So I've one in university and one in high school. And, you know, the it, it's funny, the university one actually, you know, made her own costume and kind of with her little group of friends kind of went to some party last night or the other night, um, Sunday night, I guess it was, and um, did that somewhere on campus. And she, she dressed up as a strawberry. They went as a uh, bunch of fruit. Uh, they all <laughs> pieces of fruit. So, uh, Very so she made her own strawberry costume, and um, my son didn't uh, didn't dress up. He instead went and uh, chaperoned his younger cousins around the neighborhood. So, um, yeah. So that's that's what was happening. So awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're just just back at it. Yeah, I mean, go Braves! Um, all over that. So let's let's see if they can pull it out tonight. And uh, although, like, it probably would be nicer to win it at home. I don't know if we really want to wait till the game seven, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just win it. I think right? we'll, just just take, win. we'll just take the win. We'll take, just the, take win. the win. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so we have a good show for you this week. Four stories as usual, and a little bonus at the start here. Abriana is going to kind of walk us through, um, but uh, <laughs> let her kick it off. Well, I just thought it'd be great to bring up, you know, some big news that happened this week with the rebrand of Facebook to Meta, the Metaverse here. Um, you know, this is interesting. It's, it is in some ways, um, as I'm sure you will allude to here, it is just, you know, a parent company naming convention. But I think in other ways, it signals maybe some, uh, I don't know, some some tumultuous uh, ground there, right? Like some, some changes and maybe not in a good direction. 
Um, you know, for me, I think sometimes a rebrand a lot of times is a, is a negative sign. It can be the beginning of the end. And of course, when I heard, uh, you know, the metaverse, I immediately thought of um, Meta World Peace, I'm pretty sure was the basketball player that renamed himself. Um, so that's kind of where I went, just like a little bit off the rails. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that Again, rebrand is not really ever a great thing. I think there's some concerns, you know, there's been some changes in the company's stock, you know, that we might see happening in December. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's kind of like, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about Facebook lately and Zuckerberg's kind of all over the place and the stock's kind of tumbling and, you know, they've been hit hard by Apple's, you know, privacy changes and, you know, there's just a lot of things going on and yet, you know, you know, they continue to kind of grow their portfolio of platforms and solutions, you know, you know, with, you know, not just Facebook, but WhatsApp and Instagram and, you know, other messenger services and other location platforms and, you know, getting into augmented reality and virtual reality and all these things that they're trying to do. And so I, I kind of see it as, you know, in this time of, of you know, difficult public, um, you know, perception for the company right now, you know, this sort of branding change is something that they're trying to put in place to, you know, sort of stem that tide a little bit. And as you said, it, it, it's really just a holding company name change. So the, the platforms, the, the, the brands, if you will, the products, uh, as in Facebook and so on, will remain as Facebook um, or Instagram or what have you. So they're not changing any of that. It's just the corporate sort of holding company name is now Metaverse. Um, not unlike Google, who, you know, most people may or may not know, but parent company of Google is called Alphabet. And uh, they have obviously several properties underneath that, you know, besides the Google search engine, you know, they have, you know, Waze and, you know, other, many other things that they do, you know, that are, you know, Wi-Fi companies and all sorts of other things that they do, right? So, um, you know, I, I kind of see it a little bit like that um, as, you know, putting a, a new focus on the holding company that maybe lets them kind of change public perception a little bit. That's it. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into our main stories. Uh, you've got the first one here in the restaurant. I do. Yeah, you know, this is interesting to me, but um, Chili's restaurants, the fast casual dining is testing out a server robot. They're calling this robot Rita, appropriately. Um, so Chili's has you know, over 1,600 locations and they are working with Bear Robotics and they have deployed, I think the fifth uh, robot to the fifth, you know, a robot to the fifth Chili's about a week ago or so. And they've been adding new locations almost every day. So, you know, they might be up to 10 or so by now, um, you know, and, and this is interesting to me because I don't know what the effects have been like in Canada, but here in the States, because of COVID and unemployment and just challenges with a lot in the restaurant industry, it's been really difficult to find help. Um, you know, in the beginning the restaurant industry took a really hard hit. Uh, just because people were staying in and they weren't, you know, ordering out and everybody was kind of freaked out about getting anything outside of the house, uh, you know, and as we've learned more, I think it's been a lot more food delivery, right? We've, we've definitely increased that, but it's been tough uh, now that people are back out and, you know, restaurants are, you know, seating at 
higher capacities now, it's been a struggle for these restaurant owners to hire and, and have help that's consistent. Um, and it's been a it, it's been an issue here in the states for more than just the restaurant industry for sure. It's just a high impact, um, you know, a, a, across across every industry almost. Um, and so this could potentially be be signaling, you know, hey, maybe we're going to move to a 50-50 split where we have more, you know, robots serving less servers, and you know, it's a it's a bigger win from a revenue generation standpoint. Um, and you don't have to worry about who's calling in to sit, you know, who's calling in sick or who's going to show up or not show up. Um, and so I think that this is really interesting. This bear robotics also speaking of, you know, Google was a, is a ex Googler, um, founded by John Ha, and he started off with, you know, testing out his first robot called Penny and his own restaurant in California. Um, and now he's, you know, working with this new robot, the second generation called Servi, uh, but obviously in Chile's it's going to be called Rita. So I think, I think this is interesting. I, I do think this is one to pay attention to and see how does it affect the industry are more and more companies like Starbucks going to have this, uh, you know, more of a machine operated workforce and, and less human interaction. I think there's some things that there will always be human interaction for, but to an extent, you know, if you can't find good help, then they're going to build it almost. So what do you think? Completely agree with you. So first of all, uh, I love that this company that, you know, the, the creator of the technology Bear Robotics, this guy, John Ha, you know, sort of comes, he's, he's not just a tech guy. He comes from the industry, he had his own restaurant, you know, saw an opportunity and decided to sort of embrace technology and test it out. And now, you know, sort of building something that is, is you know, beneficial to, to the industry at large. So, so I, I love those kinds of stories, first of all. I, I think, you know, what you touched on in terms of the, you know, the sort of staffing issues, uh, I think are, is a huge point. And, um, you know, we're definitely seeing it here in Canada. In fact, at the conference I was at last week, you know, half of the panelists and, and, and keynotes were talking about that issue. I know the, the head of the um, head of operations for the hotel where the, that hosted the conference was was one of the panelists. And he said that, uh, you know, they're you know, th over 30 percent of their staff that they had you know sort of let go when nobody was there and, and everything was shut down, you know, are just not coming back. Like they're not even they're, they've they've gone like they're just off doing other things and don't have any interest in coming back and they're having you know difficulty you know finding finding people and to make that even worse here in Ontario uh, today in fact uh, our premier is going to make an announcement uh, shortly in about half an hour uh, that they're raising the uh, legal minimum wage to $15 an hour which will make it even worse for you know those types of businesses that you know are wait staff and these kinds of, of um, uh, you know employees where you know now those those small businesses, those independent restaurants and, and bars and so on, are going to have to pay more uh, for these people. Uh, let alone you know they're barely you know sort of operating and you know after being shut down for you know months on end. So um, you know you know I, I think it's it's challenging. So I think technology like this you know and robotics and and things like that are you know, worth exploring for any business that has, you know, sort of the capital or, or the interest to test to see what that balance might be in the future. So I quite like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, second story. Uh, we're going over to New Zealand now uh, to look at a company called Lockie Doc Media Network. 
So uh, this one's kind of interesting. So uh, this is a new, uh, you know, digital out of home media network. Um, and uh, it, uh, uh, so if you're not familiar with Lockie Dock, uh, a Lockie Dock is a secure locking charging station for e-bikes and e-scooters. And so these are all over the place in New Zealand. And so what they've done is, is they've built this sort of platform that, you know, sort of in, uh, kind of incorporates digital signage into these um, charging stations. Uh, so it's a secure parking charging station and wayfinding station um, with, you know, digital signage and media. Uh, and um, the idea of kind of what they're going for is this is that, you know, sort of the ads are, um, you know, sort of focused on, you know, public good and environmental uh, friendliness and, you know, sort of focusing on carbon free campaigns. And, you know, obviously e-bikes and e-scooters are kind of, you know, sort of fit into that, uh, that genre or that theme. And so, yeah, so I think this is kind of interesting because, you know, they, they say that they're getting or, or they're targeting 11 million impressions per month across their network. Um, and they've got these, they've got 30 sites so far, um, you know, with, you know, with these screens hooked up, you know, to these charging stations. And I think it's interesting. I think it speaks to, you know, a, you know, a growing trend that we're seeing in, in especially in big cities. I know here in Toronto, for example, we have a lot of these sort of e-bikes and e-scooter uh, things in the downtown core where you can go and pick one up and, you know, they're sitting there, you know, charged up. And so why not have, you know, digital signage or media, you know, tied into that, uh, that is focused on, you know, environmental friendly, you know, climate, you know, conscious, you know, types of campaigns, you know, for people who are, you know, obviously care something about that, that they're going to go and get an e-bike or an e-scooter from one of these stations. So I think this makes sense. I can see this replicating in different cities and different countries. Um, and I like it. Thoughts? Yeah, I like it too. I think it's good. And I, I also like how they've partnered with um, the health society there and, you know, treating this as not only are we doing something healthy for the, you know, the world and climate change and the environment, but we're also trying to push something that's healthy for people and kind of getting out and, and being active and, uh, you know, having better health and well-being. So I think that's, you know, a good opportunity for, I believe it's a Southern Cross Health Society. So they're trying to connect with e-bikers. Obviously, um, you know, it's a natural fit for them trying to just encourage health and well-being uh, from a health insurance perspective. So I think it's I think it's a great campaign. I think it brings together you know the right audience and, um, and yeah. I mean we have we obviously have the the city bikes here in New York and um, when we were doing house hunting and looking in the city, it was a great way to get around and also really explore the different neighborhoods and kind of see like how things change because when you ride on a train or you know you kind of lose a little bit of that uh, the ability to kind of really check out what's going on around you. So. Um, I really liked that experience and I can see how the digital signage is a great opportunity as well. And you get and just because it's an e-bike, you also know who your, you know, your audience is a little bit better that it is somebody who's active. It is somebody who's interested perhaps in um, avoiding traffic or, you know, getting around a little bit more effectively or, you know, concerned with climate, you know, change and, and um, all of the, the car, the, the carbon outputs from the cars. So um, I like this story. I think it's it's good. And we always like to have a feel-good story on here anyways. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so let's go over to India with this next story. We've got a um, company called Promobi, and they have released a new technology that tracks frontline workers. Um, so, you know, really what this is, it's, it's a company, they have a few different technologies. This new one is called Nuovo Team, and it's really this all-in-one app that's designed to help these small to medium-sized businesses that are, you know, deploying non-desk workers, uh, frontline workers, and it helps generate like a centralized monitoring system. So how productive are the employees, you know, how can they have improved communication? Some of the different things that they talked about is like, um, how they could easily, you know, clock in and clock out via an app, um, have this web-based console so that, you know, administrators and everybody can kind of have access to this and supervise things remotely. Um, also, you know, assign tasks, task lists, uh, you know, any type of like corporate communication as a whole, also secure communication. So making sure that, you know, attachments and things of that nature are, are very secure, group chats, broadcast messaging, all these different types of things, as well as HR and crisis communication. Um, so some of the industries that they're really targeting here are obviously the healthcare industry, construction, manufacturing, um, you know, first responders, oil and gas industry. I was even thinking about perhaps um, applications for um, more of like the telecommunications when they're installing any type of lines or cable, you know, anything like that. It's probably a good application here. And they have it available on both Android and iOS. Yeah, I mean, I think this is interesting. There's obviously a lot of, of uh, different types of applications for communication, depending on the type of, you know, type of industry that you're in. I think that a lot of the Slack-like types that are available typically are targeted more towards just communication and, and more desk workers. So the fact that this has, you know, a lot of different features, um, including like GPS and, you know, that type of tracking is good. It's a little bit creepy, maybe from an employee standpoint, thinking about, all right, are they tracking my every move? Am I not going to be productive enough? Like, how am I being measured? Um, how am I being weighed? But I think from an employer perspective, it's nice to have a, a hub to bring everybody together, even though you might be out, um, out in the field. So I like this for troubleshooting, um, you know, being able to ask quick questions and hopefully get quick responses rather than maybe thinking about it from a walkie talkie version where you have to, you know, radio a one on one every single time, but maybe being able to ask something to a broader group. I can see how that could speed things up as well. Um, so I think this is good, you know, it, it's a, it's another new offering that's out there and, and uh, potentially a good fit for, for some of these industries. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to this one, but, but I'll say this, I think there's, there's a movement, you know, afoot right now, which is, you know, around, you know, as we've kind of gone more and more to, you know, remote working, right, whether that's people in the field that aren't in an office, and we don't see them or people are, you know, working from home, you know, or whatever the case might be, there's this sort of wave of, of you know, a need for, you know, sort of monitoring productivity and understanding what's going on and who's where and, you know, what are they doing and, you know, sort of staying in contact with them um, so that, you know, people are on track and on task and, you know, sort of having a conduit back to the mothership, whatever that might be. And so, you know, I, I think that we're going to see many, you know, solutions emerge over the next coming months to, you know, really sort of focus in on that piece. And so I think this, uh, 
Nuovo team app, uh, you know, sort of falls into that uh, sphere of, uh, of types of solutions. And as you were talking, I was thinking about our, a mutual friend of ours, uh, David Shim, uh, who, you know, created Placed and then sold that to um, uh, Foursquare, has a new company in this space as well called Read AI. And uh, it's really more sort of focused on kind of assessing using uh, AI and uh, facial you know, recognition type technologies, assessing productivity in Zoom meetings and things like that. You know, are people actually engaged? Are they you know, tuned into what's going on? Or are they just kind of completely you know, sort of phased out? So you know, things like that you know, and, and what Nuovo team and Promobi are doing here, I think make a ton of sense because you know, it, it's really important to make sure that you know, if we're going to say, flexible working environments are good and okay and we support that and you know we, we want to continue with that we're not all coming back to the office we you know there is still a need like some sort of corporate you know responsibility to make sure that people are actually doing work right and and you know being productive in, in what they're doing so i think you know there, there's lots of ways to apply technology around that and and so i, I like what these guys are doing in that sense yeah cool <laughs> All right, final story now. So we've talked a lot on this show about, you know, the, the rise of, you know, Uber Eats and, uh, you know, other types of delivery uh, services out there. And there are many now. And here comes another one. Uh, and I thought this one was kind of interesting. So created by, uh, well, the CEO is a guy named Mike McConnell. And the company is called Easy Phil. It's E-Z Phil, one word. Uh, and this is all about on-demand delivery of gasoline. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting here going, I don't know. Like, I don't really sit around my house with my car going, I really need gas brought to me right now. Um, I, you know, yes, groceries make sense. Um, you know, takeout food makes sense. Um, you know, there are a lot of things like, you know, that DoorDash and Instacart and all these guys are doing that make sense. But gasoline delivery... I don't know. I mean, how often do I, am I sitting around, you know, at home needing gasoline? Like maybe my lawnmower is out, but then I hop in my car with my little tank and I go fill it up and come back. Right. You know, or, you know, things like that. I, I, I'm struggling with this one. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if, if they're able to, you know, find some efficiencies in bulk purchasing, and share that you know to consumers with the rise in fuel prices or things like that okay maybe there's maybe there's an argument to be made here that they can kind of disrupt you know the uh you know the traditional gas stations in in that in that sense um but i don't know i mean i i i struggle with this they've raised 29 million dollars in initial funding that's a lot um they're currently only operating in the miami and surrounding area um and uh, yeah, I don't know. They say like, I mean, it's not just retail. I mean, they, 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 they have this for fleets, you know, as well. And, you know, corporate type of, uh, you know, filling up, you know, where they bring the fuel to you. So maybe that's, that, that's a, a more applicable market than me as the average consumer. But I'm struggling with this one. What are your thoughts? So I immediately thought of, I don't know if this is a story that we covered on the podcast, but it was several years ago. There was another company. I don't believe it's, it was easy, Phil, but they were focused on, um, on corporate campuses and providing gas fill-ups uh, to, you know, those big 
corporate campuses in Silicon Valley or wherever where you have so many cars, this was pre-pandemic, obviously, um, parked and, and just could have that happen like while they were working. You know, it was kind of like the, the dry cleaning that comes and gets yeah. picked up and, and dropped off. Um, and I think that that made a lot of sense. I do think that this potentially is beneficial specifically in areas where it's hard to get to a gas station. So if this is something that could work in a New York city, for example, there are not a lot of gas stations actually in the city. So if you are running low on gas and you are not in an area where there's a gas station, which, you know, if you are familiar with the city, there's just not a lot of opportunities to pull over and get gas. Like you see in, you know, other cities such as Atlanta or maybe Toronto, um, it's a little bit harder to come by. Out here, you know, we're we're right out of the city. And so it's a little bit easier for us to, to drive a mile down the road and get a gas station. But even then it's not, they're not as, as uh, close around as, as they were down in the South. So I think that there's a place for this potentially. And, and I do believe that if it's something that can, um, potentially work with, let's say, a park mobile, um, where there's a partnership where you say, while I'm parked, I want to also have my gas tank filled up and just go ahead and bill me. I think there's some opportunity for those things. Um, you know, just again, the convenience factor, saving people time, home delivery in suburban areas, likely not going to be a huge, uh, you know, a huge sell, but you never know. People are getting more and more used to having everything delivered. So I, I think Miami might be a good place to start because uh, once you get closer to the beach, there are less uh, gas stations around that area. But I don't know. We'll have to kind of pay attention and see it. what what is the consumer behavior on this one? Um, is it yeah. is it adoption or not? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think like so, so. Yeah, I mean, I hear you about like cities like New York where it's hard to find gas stations. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, and even the, the sort of corporate campus example that you gave earlier, I like it. And I think, you know, I see that like if you're a Silicon Valley, you know, type of company, you know, and you're building those kind of crazy, you know, sort of uh, employee benefits packages, you know, where, you know, you get your lunch made for you and you get gas, you know, pumped in your car while your car is sitting in the parking lot. All those kinds of things, you know, as a package, you know, sort of make sense. And yet the concept that of that sort of has less and less value now if, you know, we're working from home, right? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there's a trade-off there. There's a timing issue there that needs to be looked at, but, you know, we will we will get back to an office at some point, I believe. Airports, there's always- Airports, parking. there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah. Uh, or maybe like even, even, you know, with your rentals or, or things like that mm -hmm. could be interesting, so. All right, well, that's our show. Four stories this week and a little bit of uh, discussion about the metaverse. Uh, we thank you for listening and watching. This has been episode number 541 of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.